Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. Song, praising my Savior, 
All rise, please. Welcome all. 
We're so excited you're all here today to celebrate the life of my mother, Wilma Faye Howard Callis. Today we're going to celebrate her life according to what we feel is her will. This celebration of life may be a little bit different than you're used to, maybe a little bit different than you've seen in the past, but we want to do it according to mothers, what we know that mother would enjoy. So the family is prepared today. We're going to bring you testimony. We're going to bring you ministry, and we're going to bring you song and worship today. And I will like, would like to say that my mother would be so proud of this because everyone that's on this stage today is one of her relatives, whether it be a son, a daughter, a grandchild. They will be representing her today, and they're going to be pouring out their love towards Wilma Callis. And I'm excited about that. I'm so proud of this family for what they can do. And... <clears throat> Started off where I would like to bring Alan, Alan Wolford, Pastor Alan. Come on up, Alan. He's going to lead us in prayer today. But, you know, as we were watching some of these videos, I had a memory of Alan. And I'm just going to tell a quick story. And I think it would be okay. I think my mother would enjoy this because she, we want to celebrate her life. It's not a sad time, right? Why is that? Because we know where she is, right? So, Alan, <clears throat> I have a confession. And this goes back many, many years. So I think it was about 1980. How old would you be in 1980? It may have been 79, because I think you were younger than seven, maybe around six. So uh, we were living in Saratoga, Wyoming. You recall? Okay, so one evening, his mother, Carla, asked me if I would watch Alan for the evening. I don't know, they were going out of town or something, but he, she asked me if I would babysit Alan. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <clears throat> Uh, but I remembered I had a date that night. <clears throat> this ring a bell, Alan? 100%. <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I mean, this is kind of a pretty girl. I'm not going to stand her up, right? And just so you know how we dated back then, we got in the car and we drove from one end of the main street to the back, and we just cruised back and forth all night. That's what we did. That was a date. So what was I going to do with Alan? Well, <clears throat> the brilliant man that I am, <clears throat> I did pick up Alan. I went to the house, got him, and let's go. So on the way to pick up my girlfriend, I said, Alan, here's what we're going to do. You're getting in the back seat. I got a blanket, you're going to lay down in the floorboard and you're going to cover yourself up and not let anyone ever know you were there. And guess what? This young man behaved. <laughs> she never even knew he was back there the whole three hours. 
Thank you, Alan. I appreciate that. You're up. As introductions go, <laughs> if he wasn't going to tell that I was, because I still remember that. I remember the smell of the carpet on that Mustang floor. And it was the pinto looking one, you know? The one that wasn't real good looking. Midnight blue with a tan top. That's how much I remember that. Um, but, you know, as Tim had said, this is a celebration of life. And, you know, as we watched through the pictures, you, you saw so much life. And uh, we're excited to celebrate my grandmother today, but also the legacy that is here. And for those that couldn't be here, it's, it's far more extending than even the people in this room. And we're so thankful that we get to be a part of that. I'm so thankful that she raised young men that had the integrity to stick a grandchild in the back seat of a car. Thank you, Grandma. I think I slept. That's what I remember. I think I fell asleep back there. But, but we're going to pray, and I, I will get things started today. Um, as Tim had said, there's a lot of things that are going to be shared here today that may not be a typical memorial service, but it's definitely in character with our grandmother and our family, and I'm so excited about what, what's planned for today. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just are so grateful, God, today that we get to celebrate Wilma today and celebrate the life that she lived as well as the legacy that she left. And Lord, we ask today that even though our hearts might be, might be heavy, God, that you would lift our spirits knowing that she's not in pain, she's not suffering. Lord, she's in your presence. You said that to be absent from the body is to be present with you. And so, Lord, we know that she's enjoying your presence today. And so, Father, I pray that in these next moments, Lord, that we would enjoy that with her. God, these are, these are solemn moments where we get to enjoy your presence in this place and celebrate the life, Lord, that she left, the impression that she made on all of us, Lord, and and the deposit that's in our hearts and lives because of her love for you. And, Lord, we ask that you would bless everyone that is a part of the, the ministry and the presentation and the memories that are going to be shared. We pray that your anointing would be on every heart as they receive the blessing that was Wilma's life. And, God, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to enjoy today. Lord, not as a, a sorrowful memory, God, but something to look forward to. Lord, not just the reunion, but, Lord, the stories that, will now be a part of our lives because of her. And we thank you for that today, Lord, and we just ask for your richest blessings on this service. In your name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, I am the oldest grandkid. I don't know if he said that. So uh, I was having a conversation today with somebody, and I realized that I was closer in age to my grandmother than I am to my son. I don't know how to process that, <laughs> but I'm following her example because her youngest son is two years younger than I am, and so I feel like in some way I've helped carry on the legacy of longevity by having kids way later than normal, um, but being the oldest grandkid, I'm so proud of all of my fellow grandchildren that are here because there's ministry that happens there is success that happens. There is so many things that I look at all these grandkids and I'm so proud of. 
to be the oldest um, because you guys' stories as you followed are so much uh, more incredible than I could have imagined. Um, and so one of those grandkids is going to come and share the eulogy today, and that's Kaylee. So Kaylee Brown, I'm looking. Where are you? You're over there. You're hiding on me. So I'm actually Wilma's youngest granddaughter. So got one of the oldest, one of the youngest here, um, and I'm going to be telling you a little bit about her life. So Wilma was born September 24, 1934, at Wichita Falls, Texas, to the late Mr. Elsie Allen Howard and Miss Alma Melinda Coleman Howard. She departed this life Wednesday evening, June 21, 2023, at Mercy Hospital in Ardmore at the age of 88 years, 8 months, and 27 days. Wilma met Andy when he was a sergeant for the military police at the Shepherd Air Force Base in Wichita Falls. The couple was married on December 18th in 1951. Andy went to work for the FAA as an air traffic controller, where he later retired as he felt called to the ministry. Andy, with Wilma by his side, started their ministry in Ordway, Colorado. They continued to pastor several churches throughout the Midwestern United States and ended at Clay Center, Kansas. Wilma taught Sunday school on the field's many other roles within these churches. She loved hosting large family gatherings and entertaining her friends. She enjoyed camping with her family, where she made her gourmet meals over the campfire. Wilma was an excellent seamstress, making clothing for her children and also matching outfits for herself and her granddaughters. She loved to coupon, cook, and just had a love for people in general, but more than anything, she loved taking pictures and making photo albums. Proceeding, <laughs> Proceeding her in death are her parents, her husband, Andy Callis, her son, Terry Callis, grandson, Evan Callis, and sisters, Mamie Saunders and Sue Stevens. Wilma is survived by her many, many family members. Her children, Janice Callis of Canyon, Texas, Carla Wolford and husband, Edwin of Bloomfield, New Mexico, Merle Callis and wife, Robin of Lone Grove, Tim Callis and wife, Mary of Richardson, Texas, Scott Callis and wife, Michelle of Lake Dallas, Texas, Casey Callis and wife Jenny of Abilene, Kansas, Gabe Callis of Bloomfield, New Mexico, uh, siblings Joe Howard and wife Maxine, Jerry Howard and wife Sharon, Peggy Chandler and husband Tom, grandchildren Alan Wolford and wife Sheila, Atlee Wolford and wife Jamie, Heather Callis, Nathan Callis and wife Amy, Merlina Skark and husband Clay, Heather Skinner and husband Jonas, Pepper Van Buskirk and husband Ronnie, Levi Callis and wife Heather, Cannon Callis and fiance Ashley, Cutter Callis, Kaylee Brown and husband Jacob, Noah Callis, Jordan Ellis and fiance, Ashley McWilliams and husband Andy, 23 great-grandchildren, one great-great-granddaughter, numerous other family and many, many friends. Thank you, Kaylee. Uh, at this time, we have Robin and Brendan that will be sharing the music. And so they're coming up at this time. The song is Goodness of God.
love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. up we have Casey Callis. I feel like we should be applauding everybody as they come up here. I know it's a funeral, but um, everybody's so, so talented. Yeah, no, none vote yet. <laughs> okay, so um, I wanted to talk about mom and some of the highlights out of the obituary and tell some stories that relate to that. So in the obituary, it talks about uh, some of her interests or things that she liked to do, and cooking was one of those. Couponing was one of those, and uh, making photo albums. So I'm gonna speak of each of those. So cooking, just like the rest of the Howard sisters, my mom was an excellent cook. She had an ability to throw things together and mix ingredients, and it somehow magically just came out good. And uh, very rarely followed uh, recipes or anything like that. She just was able to throw stuff together and it was really good. 
And this uh, particular story I'm going to share with you kind of relates to that. So it was kind of customary that mom would make us breakfast in the mornings before we went to school. And I remember this one morning, I got up, got ready, went into the kitchen, and I asked mom, hey, what's for breakfast? And probably not that happy, but you know. <laughs> Anyways, I asked mom, what's for breakfast? And she said, oh, I made you muffins. I'm like, yeah, I like muffins, and I'm expecting blueberry, something like that. And then she replied, well, you may not like them. I'm like, hmm, I don't know about that. She said, I made date muffins. And just like every other kid, including me, I am not a date fan. Those little figgy chopped up things are not that great. So turns out, you know, my mom had all these canisters on the counter and just the normal stuff like sugar and flour, coffee, but she had extra canisters that she kept all kinds of stuff in. And uh, in this one canister, she had chopped up dates. So I'm, I'm guessing when she was mixing up her muffin mix, she reached into the canister of dates and threw it in there and made the muffins. Well, I'm a good son. I'm, I'm going to eat what's put before me. So I grabbed the muffin, I cut it in half, and I'm like, this looks different. It was all brown inside and kind of creamy. I butter the muffin and I take a big bite of it. And I immediately know that's not a date. <laughs> and I'm telling my mom, Mom, these are amazing. These are the best muffins ever. And she looked at me and, I, and then she started giggling. And she looked over at the counter. And so what happened uh, when she was mixing up her muffin mix, she reached into the chocolate chip canister instead of the date canister and threw that in there and those were the best muffins ever and, and she's uh, oh I made a mistake and I know you didn't <laughs> no mistake there so from that point forward whenever she made muffins I always requested chocolate chip muffins they were really good uh, couponing we got to talk about this because it, this has to be addressed okay because um, We've all seen people with coupons. You go to the store and there's a lady that has a coupon. And you're getting annoyed, you know, because she's got one or two. Well, that's child's play. Okay, mom was on another level of couponing that's hard to understand. Okay, so um, I, I brought I brought one. found this coupon the other day in the newspaper. It took me a while to find one, by the way. It seems like they don't do coupons very often anymore. Um, so I clipped it out, and I, I know you probably can't see it, but there's some important information about this coupon that you need to know that was shared with me by mom. So when we went to cut out coupons out of the newspaper, I had to know this information. Uh, first one is, it has an expiration date, okay? Very important feature because you don't want to get a coupon that's going to expire in a couple days. These coupons had to have some life to them. So, you know, because we may not get to that coupon for several weeks. So, had to have some life. The next thing it had to have, it had to have a value. This one says $5 off. I'm thinking about using this one. I've I never seen that kind of number, but uh, they had to have value. So, anything uh, 25 cents was good. Okay, so if it was below 25 cents, that was trash. We ain't gonna use that. So 25 cents is okay. 
50 cents better, 75 to a dollar, excellent. Those were, that's money there. So we, were, we would look for those. And then the next thing that was really important about the coupon, and not every coupon had this, and you had to really pay attention to this, and, and this one has it. It says, good for any size. Very important feature. And here's why. So when you go to the grocery store and you go to an aisle and you get a product there and uh, if they have like a, the giant family size and the regular size and the little miniature baby size, yeah, that's an important feature, okay? That's what you can use those coupons for. So here's how the story goes. It's time to go shopping. And by the way, when we cut out coupons, we, she would have a little, at first, it was a little note card box and she had a little dividers in there and alphabetically ordered them. Well, that soon was not near enough. And she upgraded to a full fishing tackle box. I mean, it was a big old box. Yeah. So we get our coupons. Mom says, let's go shopping. And we didn't go shopping in our, in our hometown. Uh, we had to go to Delhart, 45 miles away. We went to Delhart because they had two grocery stores. One grocery store offered double, double coupons. So if you, whatever the coupon was, it was double there. Another store, on occasion, it wasn't always listed, but on occasion it would be triple coupons. You think my mom took advantage of that? Oh yeah. So we would load up, we'd go to the, go to the store, and we'd walk in, I'd grab a cart, she said, mm, probably better grab another one. And then she would grab one, and I ain't lying, there would be a train of carts. I'd be pushing and pulling, and she'd be pushing and pulling, and we'd roll through that store, and we would load all, I mean, every cart would be just packed full of stuff. But here's how the couponing worked. So she would look at her list or shopping list, and she'd go to her tackle box, open it up, and look through the coupons and find the coupon, and she'd hand it to me, and she'd say, all right, go find this. So I'd take the coupon, and I'd go to the to the aisle, and the good thing about the coupons, coupons are only good for name brand products. No more of that cheap generic stuff. <laughs> so I'd go find the item and take it back to her and we'd load the carts up. So this one particular time, one of the first times I got to go couponing with her, um, she found a, she said, we need a ketchup. Well, okay, cool, I like ketchup. So gave me the coupon. Um, I went and found the item and I got to the ketchup aisle and there's different sizes. There was the big giant size, regular size, and then a little miniature size. Well, I'm logical. I'm thinking, we got a large family. I'm going to take the big one. I take the big one, I take it back to her and I drop it in the cart, and she looks at me and says, it's the wrong one. I'm like, but mom, it says right here on the coupon, it's, it's the right brand. And she says, no, it's the wrong size. I'm like, okay. And then she instructs me to go get the baby size. <sighs> I didn't argue. I did what I was told. I went back to the, to the ketchup aisle, got the little baby size bottle of ketchup, took it back to her, and then she explained why. So she said, how much is that coupon worth? And that was like 25 cents. And at this store, it's double, so it's worth 50 cents. And then she asked me, how much is that ketchup bottle worth? And it was like 35 cents, something like that. And she said, see, this coupon 
is more valuable than that ketchup bottle. So not only are we going to get that ketchup bottle free, but they're going to pay us the difference in return. <laughs> My mind was... <laughs> I had no idea the level that she was on in couponing. That's when I understood what couponing really meant. It wasn't about getting food for us. It wasn't about, well, maybe it was about providing, but it was more about ripping off that store. <laughs> and she was really good at it. So we would load up the carts and um, we go to the line. You could see the cash register lady. She would work in the cash register. She'd see us coming and she'd go, three carts full, the train's coming in, and uh, she starts ringing through the stuff and rings up everything, and you look at the cash total at the, on the register, and we're talking over $200. $200 back in the 80s was a lot of food. And I was like, how are we ever going to pay for this? And we were poor. We didn't, I didn't know how we were going to do this. And then my mom, in her very passive-aggressive way, would take her tackle box and she would say, I have some coupons. <laughs> oh no, she didn't have some. She'd open that thing up and just hand that lady a stack of coupons and you could just see the lady's eyes roll back in the back of her head. Then so she would start going through all the coupons and taking off. And so they, the, the fun part about all of this, and I think this is what my mom really enjoyed about the couponing was, you could see the total on the register going backwards. <laughs> and we would be watching that number get lower and lower and lower. And, you know, and by the time you know, the, the $200 grocery bill suddenly turned into 20 bucks. And my, my, my mom would, would you know, it was pretty, pretty standard. It was either 20, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less that she was paying for these groceries. I thought, Wow, there's no way, and it was. It was that happened. And there's a few times, and I'm I'm a witness to this, and it happened. We went through that grocery line, and they took off all the coupons, and that register went to zero, and then it kept going. And I remember the lady working the register. She thought she broke it. She had to call the manager come over, and they started looking at that receipt, and it was like. You know, that long, and they were going through all the items, and the manager says, yeah, we owe you. <laughs> she walked out of there getting paid. <laughs> I thought for sure we were going to get arrested because this is stealing, you know. But turned out it was all legit. But that, that, that talks about my mom's thriftiness and her frugal ways, and she was really, really good at that. Last thing I want to talk about, photo albums. And if you've ever been to mom's house, you know what photo albums look like. So I, I brought one, just in case you don't know what they look like. Ah, look at that beautiful little kid. That's me. <laughs> so... Photo albums. I know that um, the other night we, we were looking through them and we started counting how many we had at the house at this time. And there's 80 photo albums that she put together. And 
if you if you think about all the scrapbooks and other photo albums that she made, I know that she made photo albums for all her siblings, and she's made photo albums for all of us kids that, that are not in this collection. So there's probably close to over a hundred different albums that she put together. And uh, you know, mo many of you here today are in those photo albums. You have pictures in there, so it, it was quite a collection that she that she gathered and worked hard at and really put a lot of energy in. And, um, you know, she wanted pictures of everything. It didn't matter the occasion. Sometimes they were great occasions, sometimes not so great. Uh, so happy times and not so happy times went into these photo albums. And these photo albums are a great source of entertainment for us. It's very standard. We'd get to mom's house, we'd open up the photo albums, we'd laugh and giggle, and we, we've already done that this week. Let's, us kids have got together, we've been laughing for the last two or three days just looking at these photo albums. You know, but I started thinking about it. You know, these photo albums are more than just a collection of pictures. Sorry. There are memories, there are stories, it's a history of our family, and, and most importantly, they have a magical power that brings us together as family. She knew that, and they really are a sincere, honest reflection of what mom felt about family. It's her collection, her collection of family. Very special to us. They're uh, something that we will cherish for a long, long time. Thank you. Give me Jesus, 
y'all so much. Um, the pictures are amazing, and if you've ever seen her collection in person, it's mind-numbing to see all the albums and all the memories, um, including some photoshopped ones that we had the privilege of seeing some of those. Uh, there were some I was never acquainted with until this weekend, so uh, it's pretty enjoyable. Um, but at this time, Andy McWilliams is coming to speak, and uh, so proud of Andy as well. He's a good-looking guy. You either have to be good-looking or be good-looking when you get married into the family uh, is part of what the requirements are, so uh, you did okay. <laughs> you made the cut. How are y'all doing? So I, I think it's awesome that I get to follow Casey because what I want to talk about is a, it's a certain memory that I have of uh, Miss Wilma or grandma as we know her at our house. Um, first, I want to start reading a quote uh, or two, but when someone you love becomes a memory, those memories become the treasures. I think that's important based off the, I think that's important based off the albums that we've gone over. Did everybody hear the first part? Okay. Um, so, Something I just kind of thought of right out here before I came up. Memories are our individual realities of the journey we call life. I want to share with you all one of my individual realities. I joined this family about 13 years ago. I had the pleasure of seeing Wilmer in her element at, Andy, at her and Andy's house while we were moving Ashley to California. Um, we were moving to Temecula where I was stationed in the Marine Corps. Ashley and I were along with Ashley's mom, Valerie, and we stopped at Wilma and Andy's house to stay the night and enjoy breakfast with them the next morning before continuing our trek out to California. That was the beginning of my memory of, of Wilma and who she was. She was in her element. With subtlety and grace, she ran the kitchen that morning to perfection. She made us the perfect breakfast, 
But most of all, I remember how bright her light was. She was already done in all her makeup. She had her hair done. She, had her, she was already dressed, dressed to the nines and slinging that yummy biscuits and gravy breakfast with all the fixings. And I still remember it. It was a little spicy, too. I think Andy helped out with that. She was smiling and laughing and talking and telling stories. Having a, big, having a big family made this look easy to her, and I think you can see exactly what I'm talking about here. We have a family of six, and that's nothing. That doesn't even tip the scales compared to all of the people that were mentioned in the eulogy. This is my, this is my Wilma memory. I'm sure we all have our own memories of this beautiful person, and I believe that that should be our focus of her. And I want to end by saying we all need to focus on the memories of our journeys that take us to the end, not the end itself. Thank y'all. Thank you, Andy. Everybody's talking about the breakfast. I'm getting hungry because I remember those. I mean, you, it didn't matter what time you got up. You got in there, and it was already it, there was a spread, and man, I could smell it. Um, but at this time, we have Beulah Land by Carla, Gabe, Merle, and Scott as they're coming up. And again, you either had to be good looking or musical to be in this family. Some of them got both. So uh, we're, we're very excited about these.
She's not longing anymore. She gets to experience that. And uh, we're so excited about what God is doing in her and through her. Um, this next one is, is really special. And, I mean, they're, they all are. I'm not trying to make one above another. I'm just saying that um, my Uncle Terry is not able to be here to speak on his own behalf. But we have the privilege and the honor of having his son bring a letter that he had written to Grandma Wilma. And so I'm going to invite him to come at this time. So this letter was written Tuesday, May 7th, 1974. Um, my dad was around 21 years old. I'm sure he was probably gone in the Navy um, doing something like that. But I'll just read this letter for you. It says, Dearest Mom, Today I decided I wanted to write a letter to someone very special in my life. So, Mom, I decided to write to you. This letter is for the mother who for 21 years strived to raise me in the most perfect manner that I might be a proud and worthy son. This letter is for the one who spent restless hours with me through my sleepless nights as a baby, for you who stayed by my side when I was sick, for the one who toiled in the kitchen that I might not go hungry, for you, Mother, when I had to go to the dentist or doctor, and you were more nervous than me. For the one who went to great trouble to be a good hostess for friends which I would bring home to visit. 
just for you because you taught me right from wrong. For the mom who was more than a mom, but was also a friend, for the mother who taught me how to pray and showed me what Christianity was truly all about. Mom, this letter is just for you because I appreciate all the things you have done for me and because I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Love, Terry. We're going to sing a song for you, my sisters. Bear with It's on. Bear with this while we're trying to find this song. I had it up. Now it's gone. Oh, 
feels like a worship service more than a memorial service and you know there I think that's what she would have wanted anyway and uh, we're, we're very thankful that she left that legacy in us as well and um, at this time Tim Callis is coming again to speak and uh, hopefully there's not any more date stories <laughs> Wow, guys, uh, I'm really enjoying this. I really am. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I prepared some notes together, but I don't know that I'll follow that script because sometimes emotions pull us in a different direction. So I'm not sure where I'm going to go with this right now. I do know that this is everything that mom would want. And I don't know if mom is looking down on this right now. But I do know that God can tell her all about it. And she would enjoy this so much to hear her family at her celebration of life. <clears throat> you know, Casey talked about some things that you stepped on my turf, by the way. Uh, some photo album stuff, but I'm just going to go ahead and nail him, okay? So, we already know about the photo albums, right? Casey is a, how should I call you? You're a practical joker, right? <clears throat> so, he's really good at art. He's an art guy, as well as Alan, right? These two guys are phenomenal with their artwork. And my sister Carla, too. So, there's a lot of talent in this family. I'm going to bless all of you today by not singing, okay? 
God blessed all of this family with so much musical talent and art talent and things of that nature. And I, what do I got? Uh, I have very little to offer, but I know what I did offer my mother is that she loved for the family to visit. That was her life. She wanted the family together. And she would call us all in any time she could, but she made special attention for me to always bring my tools. <clears throat> Evidently, that was my talent. Because <laughs> she always had a long list of projects that needed to be done wherever she lived. And let me tell you, there were a lot of homes she lived in. We're going to discuss that in a minute. <clears throat> but going back to Casey, I just, you know, this was not, I would, did not prepare this at all, but I thought about it since he brought up uh, uh, the photo albums and what he could do. So recently at work, I got to meet and work with a former president of the United States, George W. Bush. My buddy Rick is back here, and he, he got to meet George, too, so I'm just calling you out, Rick. Uh, <clears throat> so he offered for us to take pictures with him. So we did that. And I had this nice picture, and I was so proud of it, you know. And I sent it to my brothers. Well, that was a mistake. <clears throat> Especially when Casey got a hold of it. Quickly, Casey dubbed his face in place of me on my body, and he sends it out to everyone. So the other night, we're going through photo albums that Mom put together. Casey's got the album, he flips through it, and all of a sudden, he just starts laughing. And what are you laughing at? What is so funny? And he brings the album to me. And he shows me the picture that my mother had put in the photo album very recently of George W. Bush with Casey. <laughs> and I'm like, that ain't funny at all. <laughs> and that picture still is in that album, and it will remain there. <clears throat> Thanks, Casey. You know... Uh, Going back to mom, you know, I, I don't, I can't possibly describe her. You know, words can never do that. You guys have, most of you have been fortunate to know mother, right? And that says a lot. You have your own experiences with mom. But I'll attempt to do my best with just a couple of thoughts. The first thing that comes to mind with mom is sacrifice. I don't know of another woman who has sacrificed so much in her life for her family. Truly, she was a follower of my dad. She followed him all over this country, believe me. She sacrificed everything for family. Mom raised seven children, six of which are here today. And when I think about <clears throat> some of the things that made up my mom's life, what is the one thing that comes to mind? Moving. Right? You guys have traveled the country to see my mom. She's been everywhere. I think she must have a world's record 
for the most moves. And I'm not exaggerating. You did you see in the slideshow some pictures of a moving van and U-Haul trucks? That was common in our family. I believe that from the time she met my dad, she lived in 67 homes. Is that not a world's record? I think it might be. So she was very good at moving, obviously. Not alone just moving, but she had several kids she was tagging along. The thing about mom, she set up house wherever she was. She made it a home. She made friends. And these acquaintances that she met over the years, she kept in contact with them for years to come. I want to tell you a quick story about uh, my wife Mary and I. We were living in Wyoming, and we took a trip down to Texas. We were in the Dallas area. It was in the wintertime, and we had to go back home. We left Dallas, and guess what? We ran into a major ice storm, and we got to Delhart, Texas. We got into town, and there was no getting out. All the highways were closed, and Mary and I are wondering what we're going to do because by then the motels had filled up. There was no place to stay. So what I do? I call my mom. She said, oh, don't worry about it. I got lots of friends in Delhart, Texas. And because we had nowhere to go. We were going to sleep in the truck. She made a couple of phone calls, and within minutes, we had a home to stay in with one of her acquaintances from years ago. This nice elderly lady let us into her home. How long were we there, hon? Three days before we could get out of that town. So all these moves paid off. <laughs> they did. But, you know, I think mom would have been happy to settle down in one location her life. I think she really would have. But again, she was, she was a follower. And we used to get, my dad would call family meetings. Any of you guys do that? <clears throat> well, we were called to family meetings. All the children know about this. And we all knew it was one of two things. Where are we moving to? or is mom having another baby? That was it. Because <laughs> we knew one of those was happening. I'm not exaggerating about the moves. I'm gonna tell you about a time when I was in the ninth grade. We had a family meeting. This time it was another move. Where are we going? Well, we were living in Colorado at the time. My dad says, we're going to Alaska. Mm. Wow. We get to Alaska. We're there a few months, and Mom says for the first time she rebelled. She did not like Alaska. She wanted out. The only time I remember her ever complaining about a place to live. So we left. We left Alaska. Now this story go, gets interrupted with another story. So we're leaving Alaska. We sell everything we have. We do, we've done this multiple times. You just get rid of everything and you travel. So we are traveling. We have to get on a ship. 
our vehicles have to go on a ship from Juneau, Alaska, down the coastline. And I remember, <clears throat> you know what, I think this is a dad story, not a mom story, but uh, <clears throat> one night my dad tells me to go to the cargo bay where our vehicles were parked and get something out of the truck. So I go down there by myself. I'm maybe 14 years old, and it's dark, and it's gloomy down there, and the ship's rocking. And so I get, find the truck, and I open the door, and guess what I see? There's a stowaway man asleep in the truck, and I, it scares me. And I go right back up to the room, and I tell my dad, there's somebody in the truck. He's asleep in there. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about, you know. And uh, I said, yeah, really, there's a guy down there. So mom tells dad, go check it out. We need to find out. So dad goes down there. We open the door to the truck, and sure enough, there's a man asleep in the seat. Well, long story short, <clears throat> my dad made friends with this guy. <clears throat> we brought him back up to our little room on a ship. You know how tiny these little rooms are? And we let him stay with us in that room with the family. And not only that, when we deboarded the ship and then we had to get back in our vehicles, we took him with us. <laughs> yeah. And we're traveling across Canada back into the United States and I think we dropped him off somewhere in Montana, I don't recall. <laughs> but uh, just one of the stories, you know, uh, the way they live their lives, uh, adventurous, really. Uh, if I could describe my parents, it was adventurous. Now, see, I've gotten way off track. I didn't have any of this in my notes, guys. <laughs> I don't know where all that came from. Um, <clears throat> oh. I was going back into the trip, so we left Colorado, went to Alaska, went to Wyoming, and then to Texas, all in my ninth grade year. That's how many schools I went to in one year. So I think about all the children. I've got the record for the most schools, by the way. Pretty sure I did. <clears throat> but it was a lot. Okay, what did I do with my glasses? I lost my glasses. Bear with me. Oh, because I can't. I'm left-handed, and I cannot read my own writing, especially without glasses. Have you guys ever tried to read somebody that writes with their left hand? It, it's impossible, right? <clears throat> Okay, <clears throat> this might be familiar to many of you. You guys remember April 10th, 1979? You remember that date? You do, particularly of those that were in the Wichita Falls area. <clears throat> there was a massive tornado that came through that town that day, and it changed a lot of lives. We lived there at that time, along with my, many of my relatives that are here today. So we remember this. I want to talk about how it changed my mother's life. Remember, Casey was saying how frugal mom is. <clears throat> well, a very a disastrous event happened. 
but mom's going to find a way to take advantage of that. <clears throat> and she did. I remember I worked at an apartment complex, and I was the lowest guy there. I was the guy who went around picking up trash. I think they called me a porter. I was right out of school, needed a job, so I worked at this apartment complex. Well, needless to say, we were there in the afternoon. The tornado comes through. When I come out, the, the complete apartment complex is gone, right? It is just not there anymore. A few days later, <clears throat> mom decided that she needed to use her tools, and her tools being Gabriel, Casey, Scott, and Tim. What did we do? We drove by areas where people had started throwing away furniture and belongings and anything, even food, and they threw them near dumpsters and beside dumpsters, and we went scavenging. <clears throat> Scott, did you ever dumpster dive for mom? <laughs> we were dumpster divers. You should have seen us. And she did not pass up a dumpster. We hit them all. <laughs> we got a lot of good stuff. And I do, rec I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that mom has had a nightstand or some type of stool right to this day. You donated it to the nursing home. We recovered that from the 1979 tornado, and she still had it today. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty amazing. Uh, <clears throat> so a lot of great memories of mom. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we all love mom. We have many reasons to do that. We were very fortunate to be raised in the family that we were. And it's an honor for me to say that she is my mom. And I'm looking forward to the day that I see her again. And I want all of you to meet her again as well. For the last several months, we knew mom wasn't doing well. And it affected all of us differently. But earlier this week, we received a phone call that we should come. We knew the end was near. And those of us in the family that could come, we did. We gathered at the hospital, and as soon as I walked in the room to see her, I knew the end was near. Other family members were there. We moved her into her room upstairs, her last room. We gathered round. Several of the family members talked to mom that day. We told her how much we cared one by one, and we told her that it's okay to go. Have you ever felt 
the emotions of sadness and joy at the same time. I think we did that day. It's hard for me to explain how you can have both of those emotions at the same time, but we each experienced that. It was sad to see our mother gone, but we were all joyed at the same time because we know where she is, and we're so thankful. When we knew the end was coming, the breast got shallow. She was not suffering. We got close to her, and I think one of us said, this is the end. We had all sang Amazing Grace to her, and there was no movement. She was still breathing. And as we were right next to her, suddenly she moved her mouth slightly. And I believe she was telling us goodbye. And there were no more breasts after that. Watching your mother pass is an emotion and a feeling that I'll never forget. But it's one that I don't want to forget. We love mom and we appreciate all she did and how she touched so many lives. All of you here, she had touched your lives in one way or another. So thank you all and God bless you, Mom. Can't wait to see you again. Amen. Whew. I think some of us are probably feeling some of those emotions at the same time right now. Because we know that she's not suffering. We know that she, she's done her last following. And she's there. That final move, right? And uh, though it may hurt, though it may be painful, at the same time we know that God has made a way for each of us to know him and to be reunited with her. And, and Tim, your desire for us to meet her is well-guided because there is a way. There's a way for that to happen. And uh, the song that uh, Atley and Jamie and their family are going to be singing speaks to that. And so if you just welcome them as they sing.
hearts that we've come with, that God has made a way for us not just to be whole and healed, but to experience joy and peace and restoration. And as that song attests to when they were singing is that his goal is not for us to stay the same that we came. Even in moments like these, we've come with heavy hearts, we've come mourning and I believe that as we leave this place in not too long, that we'll, we'll leave with celebration in our hearts and anticipation of reunions, but not just with, with Wilma, but with Jesus himself. And um, I've already stated that I'm the oldest grandkid. Just means I'm old, doesn't mean anything else. I turned 50 this week. And it was on my birthday that she decided that she needed to go to heaven. And I can't think of a, a more fitting way to celebrate another year in my life than to know that she's finished her course. She's run the race. When she gets to stand before God, it is well with my soul. You're going to hear that in a little while. But she's finished that race. She's cut all the coupons. And she got money in the bank. <laughs> she got a mansion and all kinds of stuff. I mean, she's making out pretty good. You know, but it's not just her thriftiness. And it's, it's kind of funny because some of my memories of Grandmama early on, as I share a message, I am going to preach just for a second. So don't get nervous. It's just going to be a short one. But some of my earliest memories of Grandmama was her sticking her teeth out at me. Anybody ever have that experience? Did she ever do that to you? Scared me to death. She'd go, hey, like that, and I'm like, ah! But we're going to talk about something. We're going to talk about false teeth, false eyelashes, wigs, hair dye, heart valve replacements, Spray tans. Merle, are you in that? Oh, no. no, no. <laughs> I'm just jealous. I'm just jealous. Teeth whitening, Botox. There's all kinds of stuff that we do to try to escape the passage of years. 
You know, as we looked at the pictures of, of Grandmama, that's how I know her. I'm going to refer to her that way. You may know her as Wilma or Grandma. But for those of you that call her Grandma, you're just doing it wrong. It's Grandmama. I was the first one. But I remember her with black hair. I didn't know it wasn't really black at the time. But I remember it. And I think to all the things that, that we go through, you know, for me passing the 50 marker this year, we're all going to age. We're all going to, if the Lord tarries, we're all going to be gray. We're going to get closer to the ground. Y'all know what that means, right? Gravity starts taking over. Things sag. Things change. But one of the things that was said about Grandmama is that she always carried herself with grace. She always got done up, right? She took care of what God gave her. Sometimes it was with the false teeth. Sometimes it was L'Oreal. But she, she took care of the house that God put her in until it was time to leave that house. And the truth of the matter is, for all of us, we need to remember that this is just a house. That one day, if we know Jesus, that's all going to be changed. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10, it says this. It says, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Tim, sorry. I know construction is your gift, but you're going to have to defer when you get there. But we're going to hear angels singing, so we're going to have to defer ours too a little bit. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. How many of you want that glorified body now? Okay, how many of you like your pains? How many like dentures? You like Botox? You like haircut? I mean, we go through the list, right? We long for immortality. We long for that ability to not age and to feel the pains of this earth. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. We know that today because Tim forgot his glasses. We don't live by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I want to read that part again. For we must all, all of us, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. As we celebrate Wilma's life today, there's a reward 
for the things that she did while in the body that awaits her. I go back to the letter that we heard Terry write at a very young age, and even then, you hear the, the strong echoes of the deposit that she was putting into her children of spirituality, of faith, of trust, of, of industriousness, of responsibility. And when she stands before the Lord on the day of judgment, like we all will, those are all going to be on her ledger. But I, wanna, I want you to pay attention to that verse because it says whether good or bad. I'm not throwing grandma under the bus, okay? I'm telling us to look at our lives. Where are we at today? Where is our ledger? Where are the things in our lives when we stand before God and maybe our body lies before a congregation like this? What things will be said of us? What will be spoken of us here that will also be written in front of Jesus when we stand before him. I'm proud to say that there's a deposit in our lives because of Wilma. There were times that I got to pray for her and talk to her and see her on Sunday mornings as her pastor. And I'm not a perfect pastor. There are times my, my grandmother was upset with me. But I had the honor and the privilege of praying with her when she was desperately in need at times. And she was not a, a bystander when I prayed. She was not casually waiting for me to drop some spiritual truth on her. She was in it. She was already praying. She was already praying in the spirit. She was already engaged in that moment spiritually more than I was at times because she, has, she was already engaged with that relationship with Jesus. And to me as a young pastor, well, I'm not so young anymore, it made an impression on me. Because she didn't just pray or ask for prayer out of her need. She asked for prayer out of agreement because she was spiritually already there. And so today as we, we celebrate her life and we, we know that the body, the body is going to fail us eventually, none of us get out of this alive unless Jesus comes back before then. But even then, it says those who are dead in Christ will rise first. She's going to beat you again. First in line of the coupons, man. <laughs> but those of us who are alive and remain, it says, will be caught up to meet them in the air. And we'll all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Mortality will take on immortality. Corruption takes on the incorruptible. And what a day we have to look forward to where we get to see the revelation of our Savior as he is and has always been and not just as we perceived him to be. She gets to enjoy that presently. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But I implore you, if you do not know Jesus, I want you to understand he is the designer, not just of your soul and your spirit, but of your body. And one day that design gets an upgrade. Amen? And that upgrade is going to be pretty amazing. But until then, the Bible refers to it as sleep. 
but it also says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we know you're not just hanging out snoozing. There's no snoring in caskets. If there is, there's a problem that you need to fix immediately. Okay? But we know we'll be present with the Lord as, as she is now. And so for those of you who have shown her the honor of being able to be here and for those who long to be that may be watching, we want you to know that we can't speak for her. And I think Tim had said that earlier. We, we can't say the words that she would want to say. But we can repeat what God has said. He longs to be with us. And she lived by that. And so I, I implore you to consider where your life is headed. Consider where your spirit's at today. And if you know that you're not in the right place with God, I encourage you to give that, that opportunity to him today to allow him to change your life, to surrender that control to him. Because the hope that we have is greater than the sorrow we experience today. It's greater. And so I, I just want to encourage you to know that the revelation of who Jesus is will be made apparent. His promises are yes and they are amen. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And though we feel some loss because her story has reached its final chapter on this earth, it was not in vain. It was not in vain. I look around and I see cousins and uncles and my brother and their families and distant cousins. And can I tell you that we're all cousins? Seriously, right? We all go back to Noah. So we're all related. Whether you think you're blood or not, we are. And I'm excited that in this place that God has given us the opportunity to experience the blessings of my grandmother's life as she lived it for him. Amen. Amen. At this time, um, Atlee and Jamie are going to bless us with another song, and then immediately after that, we'll have one more, and then I'll come back to close this.
matter the level of sorrow. It's okay to feel that because we know that the joy that surpasses all understanding, the grace that God has for us will cover our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And we're so thankful again for an opportunity to celebrate life. Um, again, the, the worship that's happened here, the, the stories, the laughter, the joy, the memories, um, those carry with us. And I'm, I'm proud to be part of this family. Um, I think God has blessed us, but he didn't just do it for our family. He did it so that we can take what God has given us through her, through our relationship with God, and spread it. It needs to spread. Um, don't let it die with you. Amen? Um, this, this morning, afternoon, wow, feels like morning. It's been a long day. But this afternoon, um, we're going to be uh, giving you the opportunity to, to greet the family and there will be opportunity to do the viewing here in just a moment. But we're going to close in prayer. Um, there will not be an internment here locally, but that will be done tomorrow out in Texline, Texas. And so for those that are able to make the trip, I know there's a lot of family headed that way. Um, but we're just going to be making a deposit, right? Um, her body will be placed in the ground almost like a seed. Because that body one day will rise up incorruptible. And, and the, the harvest comes and we get to join Jesus and join her in the air. Um, she's going to fly. I don't know how she felt about flying. But it's going to be a quick flight. So it's not going to be drawn out. There's not going to be a need for drama mean. I, I rode with my grandfather when he drove in the Subaru. There was a need for drama mean. I remember chasing jackrabbits on the side of the shoulder just because it was there. Anybody else remember that? Scared me to death. Um, and just one more thing before I pray. First time I drove a car was sitting on my grandmother's lap in Clayton, New Mexico, in a Subaru, across railroad tracks. What was she thinking? But I'm thankful that she did. And... As she led the way then, she leads the way now, and we get to follow that example. So we're going to pray a blessing over you, over the family, and thank you again so much for those of you who've been here to be a part of this. And um, as we pray, then there'll be some direction given from the funeral home as well. So let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, so much, God, for your love for us. We thank you, God, for the deposit that is in our lives because of Wilma Callis. And, Lord, we pray that today, that as our hearts have been heavy and happy and sorrowful and joyful, Lord, there's been so many ranges of emotions here today. Um, God, those are good. They're healthy, and we thank you for those. But, Lord, I pray that in the days to come when it's quiet, in the days to come, Lord, when the memories start to flood and in the, the first holidays, the first birthdays, the first moments where we remember things that were important to Wilma, God, that we would remember you're right there with us and that you're there with us and that she is with you and she's experiencing you in even greater joy and measure than those moments brought her then. And so, Lord, be with us. Comfort our hearts, comfort our spirits, Lord, as we walk through the hard times ahead and remind us of all these wonderful <laughs> memories, Lord, that she's afforded us. 
And we thank you for it, Lord. We ask for your blessing, your provision, your healing, and your strength. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So they are going to come, I believe, at this time and uh, give some direction. There will be time for you to be able to greet the family and a viewing as well. But we encourage you to do that at your leisure um, as things are prepared. Thank you for being loved by my grandmother and loving on her. Amen. <laughs>